if you have uh, remained uh, kind of diligent to what we encouraged you on back in the summer when we started this study of Colossians, uh, then you may have one of the the uh, journals that we gave out, and you may have one of the sermon schedules. And uh, of course, the the hope there was that you, every week you would read ahead to the scripture we would be looking at on Sunday morning and be better prepared when we came in together uh, to study God's Word. So if you did that, then you will notice that the scripture that is, was read this morning was not all that was on the original schedule. And uh, and so that, that was intentional. We're going to be wrapping up Colossians next week, so we'll see what all that we get to. But uh, I had to pause on verse 2. I had to pause, and uh, that is going to be our primary focus today because we are a church that uh, that we have said many, many times, we believe the Lord has called us to be a house of prayer. As a matter of fact, back in the summer, the pastors had an opportunity to go away for a few days and on a retreat together, and part of what we were doing was praying about uh, how to concisely communicate to the church what we believe, our statement of faith, as well as what we value as a church. And Lord willing, I look forward to unfolding some of that to you uh, early next year. But one of the one of the values that we have in this church, you should not be surprised by if you have been here for any length of time. That is in your notes that at Agape Church we value becoming a house of prayer. It is something that we have been talking about for years over multiple different senior leaders, lead pastors. That has been the heart of this church uh, for a while now. And I, I want to give you this quote from Oswald Chambers that I, I think um, goes well with this idea of being a house of prayer. And you can fill this in if you're a note taker. Prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. And the reason that I want to unfold that to you today or, or give you that quote is because when we talk about being a house of prayer, I don't want you to think of it in terms of, okay, this church needs to pray more so that we can grow. This church needs to pray more so that we can evangelize well and be fruitful in it. This church needs to grow so that discipleship can happen here. Excuse me, we need to pray so that this church uh, can be strong in discipleship. I don't want you to think in those terms, although I do believe spiritual growth and growth numerically and growth in discipleship and evangelism, those are byproducts of us abiding in Christ and praying together. But we're not aiming to pray to do greater things. The greater thing is that we become a church that prays. That's the calling we have. To become a house of prayer. To become a church that is planted in Pinson, Alabama on this little tiny hill, on this major highway, and that we pray. That's the great value that we have. And it is not just for the pastors or the ministers to accomplish. It is for us. If you call this church home, God has put you here. And God has placed this vision among the church and its leaders, which means you share in that vision. And it is incumbent upon all of us to become houses of prayer so that this place is a house of prayer. So when we get to Colossians 4.2, when I see this verse, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, I pause and I say, okay, this 
we have to talk about this, agape. This is a verse for us. This life truth in your notes, kind of a summary of what's being said here. The believer is instructed to pray continually. I'm going to pause there for a moment. Just remember, big picture in this letter is that Paul has gotten to a portion of the letter to where he is writing instructions to the church. Ethical demands upon the church because of their faith in Christ. So he's given instructions to husbands and wives, to fathers, to children, to servants and masters, all in these Christian households. And it is in context of big picture instructions that he's giving to the church. So he's moved from giving instructions to the church, to the households, and now he's back to the church again. And his instruction is, continue steadfastly in prayer. But he gives additional words here to tell us what kind of praying we should be doing. The command is not simply pray. It is to pray in a particular way. And in your notes, that way is to be watchful with thanksgiving. When we talk about prayer, we're very open with the fact that prayer is not always easy. You're in one of a few categories this morning. You abide with Christ in prayer. You wouldn't brag about your prayer life, but you do feel like the Lord is giving you good times with Him in prayer. And, and so what I hope happens for you this morning is you are strengthened in that. You are made more ready and willing to just continue thankful for what God has done in your life and you want to grow stronger in it. Or you're here this morning and you struggle with prayer. You have some what you would consider success in it and some what you consider failures. And I hope this morning the Lord will use this to make you more steady in prayer and to understand what He's calling you to. And some of us in this place this morning, we are, we are not praying at all. When we try to pray, it's hard. We are bored in prayer. We wouldn't say that. It's hard to admit. So you're, you're in one of those places, and if you're in that last category, my hope this morning is the Lord will use this to call you out of that place and to help you to see that in one sense prayer is hard, but in another sense it is the greatest work you could do and God is there to help you and meet with you because ultimately it is conversation with Him. It is talking with Jesus and listening for Christ to speak back. And is it mysterious in some ways? Absolutely, because you cannot yet visibly see who you're speaking to and who is speaking back to you. But it is as real as any conversation you will have if you will believe that in faith. So the command, though, isn't just to pray. I don't want you to think about just, okay, I need to pray more, so I need to, I need to, you know, Give more prayer requests. There's a certain way that we're being called to pray. Not just spend more time in prayer, but pray being watchful with thanksgiving. So I want us to try to unfold what that means. 
What kind of praying are we being called to as a church? What kind of praying are you being called to? Listen, if you are in this room and you consider yourself to be a believer, this is your instructions. This is your call. And if you're in this room this morning and and you don't know if you're saved, then you, you get to see this morning the beauty of the relationship that you can have with God if you put your faith in Christ. And it's being laid before you this morning so that you would desire it and pursue it. So the first question I have for us in exploring this life truth that we are to pray continually, being watchful with thanksgiving, is what does it mean to be watchful biblically? When the Bible calls us to be watchful, what does that mean? So I want to explore that for a few moments, and then we'll bring that back to the act of prayer. And so what I have done is is I've looked at how this particular word is used in the Bible in various ways and try to use that to get us thinking about what it means to be watchful. So, in your notes, first and foremost, being watchful means to be spiritually alive. It means to be spiritually alive. As a matter of fact, the word watchful in Colossians 4.2 is translated in other places in the New Testament as being awake in both a spiritual sense and a physical sense. Paul talks about how some people have fallen asleep into death, but one day they will awaken. Same word here. So it means to be alive, and in particular to be spiritually alive. If you have a Bible this morning, please go to Revelation 3. If you do not have a Bible, there are some Bibles on the back table. Please take one of those as our gift to you, a gift from our church. Revelation 3. Paul, excuse me, Jesus writes to the church in Sardis in in one of his seven letters that he writes. And he says this to the church that was in the city of Sardis. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive. I think we can infer there that Jesus is saying, I know all the things you do, and because you're a very busy church and an active church and a church that's doing a lot of things, you have the reputation of being spiritually alive. But you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. That idea of being spiritually awake is the same as being watchful. Because if you are not spiritually alive, um, or you're... Yeah, you're not spiritually alive, then you are unable to be watchful. If you're being watchful, then you are spiritually aware of what's going on in your life and and around you. The interesting thing about Sardis is this. It was a city that had been overrun twice in its history by enemies. It had these high walls and these high cliffs, 
and they felt very secure. Yet two times in the history of Sardis, it was overran by the enemy and destroyed. In both cases, it was because the people that had been put on the walls of the city to be watchful and look for enemies, they failed at their duties, their responsibilities. Whether they were complacent or they had fallen asleep, they had stopped watching and the enemy came unnoticed and he ransacked the city. And here Jesus is saying to them, you need to wake up. You need to watch. Your church and your spiritual lives is going to follow the same pattern of this city if you fail to be watchful. You and I are called to watch over our lives in prayer. We are called to be spiritually alive and aware of what's happening around us. And if we drop our guard and we are not sitting on the wall of our lives and our families and our church watching, then we're in danger of being ransacked. So the first part of being watchful is be alive. If you are in this room right now and you know in your heart that your love for Christ is waning, your love for His people is low, your desire to serve and to make Him known has become something you rarely think about because you're somewhere else, your mind is somewhere else, then these words, wake up! You may have the reputation of being alive. Everyone around you may think you're alive. But it may be that you're on the verge of spiritual death. Wake up and strengthen what remains. Be watchful. And one of the ways that you are watchful is in prayer. Secondly, being watchful means... Close, closely related to being spiritually alive, it means to be awake. But in particular, it means to be awake with Christ, joining Him in His works. Being watchful means being awake with Christ, joining Him in His works. In Matthew 26, if you'll turn there, Jesus has gotten to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's had this final night with His disciples, the Last Supper, the time together singing of hymns, and they've arrived at the garden. And Jesus says to them in verse 36, sit here while I go over there and pray. So He puts His disciples in one part of this garden. And He says, I want you to remain here and and I'm going to go and pray. And then He says to Peter and James and John, Come with me. So he pulls kind of his inner circle out of this group of disciples, now 11, as Judas has betrayed him. And he takes Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And they go with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So they go a little further into the garden and Jesus is filled with sorrow and his soul is troubled, his spirit is troubled. And he he says to them, essentially, I want you to wait here. My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Wait here, remain here, and watch with me. Okay, now I want you to picture yourself in that moment. 
Jesus is beginning to break down. You, you, you know something is going on. It is something deep and heavy. And, and He says, you, I, I'm going to go further. You, you're not going to go with Me. I want you to remain right here, but I want you to watch with Me. Watch. Be awake. And going a little further, He fell on His face and He prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as You will. And He came to the disciples and He found them sleeping. And He said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour? And then he says, watch and pray. I'm going to stop there for a moment. We have this picture and we can put ourselves there and we can say, oh, I wouldn't have fallen asleep. I would have done what Jesus said. Jesus calls us to be awake with him every day and we fall asleep. He calls us every day to be abiding with him. Awake with him. Seeing what's happening in our lives and in the lives of others. Watching. He says it to all of us. It's not just Peter. Watch and pray. It's your name. Watch and pray. He calls us to be awake with Him in what He's doing. Sometimes it is in the midst of great trouble. Jesus Himself is... He's no longer in that trouble that He was in. He is alive and reigning and ruling. But sometimes He calls us to enter into prayer. Praying for our church, praying for our lives, praying for one another. And sometimes we're praying for really deep, hard things. And it's hard and it's suffering. There are people suffering and we're to enter into their suffering to pray. Because we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Sometimes we get to pray with people and rejoice with them. Or we get to pray with people and then we get to see the outcome of those prayers and we get to rejoice with them because Jesus is rejoicing with them and we are the hands and feet of Jesus. So 1 Peter 4.13 says, Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. We are the body of Christ. The feet of Jesus. The legs, the arms, the hands of Jesus. He is working His will in the earth through His church. So He is going to people who are suffering. He is going to people who are rejoicing. And He does that through us as we join with Him in prayer. You are not going to know what Jesus is calling you to do on His behalf with His Spirit in you, unless you are awake with Him. Unless you are joining Him in those works through prayer. Every day, you and I have that opportunity to watch and pray with Jesus over our marriage, over our children, our homes, our church, our friends. We have a chance to watch and pray. Are we awake or are we asleep? Are there people around us suffering and hurting and dying and being tempted and, and Jesus is calling us? We would notice it if we were with Him in prayer, but we're not with Him in prayer, so we don't see it. Watch and pray. This is, this is, I'm not just trying to say, be, feel guilty about that. I'm trying to lay before you what a joy it is 
That you would abide with Him in prayer and He would show you what He's doing. He would make that known to you. Because He says, when you are my friends, I share with you what I'm doing. Be awake. That means be watchful. It means you're, you're awake. Second, uh, thirdly, being watchful means be vigilant against temptation and the work of the enemy. Being watchful, kind of going back to what we talked about a little bit about Sardis and those people that are on the walls. Being watchful means be vigilant or be on guard against temptation and the work of your enemy. Back in Matthew 26, finishing that up, when Jesus came back to Peter and the other disciples, they were all asleep, but He speaks to Peter. So you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus tells Peter, one of the reasons I want you to stay awake is so you don't fall into temptation. Because your spirit is willing, but your flesh is really weak. And one of the ways that you protect yourself against temptation is you are watchful. You are watchful. Again, Peter would take this idea and later on when he's writing letters to the church, he's writing from that same idea, remembering what Jesus said to him in 1 Peter 5, verse 8 and 9. He tells the church, Be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. So you have the threat of temptation, that you would be lured by your own fleshly desires away from Christ and into sin. And one of the ways that you protect yourself is you are watchful in prayer. And you have an enemy who wants to destroy you, who wants to devour your marriage, who wants to devour your faith, who wants to devour your family, who wants to devour your church. And Peter says, be watchful and then resist Him. If we're not awake with Christ, if we're not watching with Him, we can't be vigilant. We can't be on guard. Listen, one of the great... One of the great victories the enemy wins is you and I don't think he's actually after us. We think that's for other people. We don't really think we got a bullseye on us that the enemy wants to devour our faith and pull us from Christ. We don't think in our minds that it is a desperate need that we pray. We don't think in our minds that it's a desperate need that we be in the Word. We don't think in our minds that it's a desperate need that we be at worship with other believers. We don't have it in our mind that we need those things. We think, ah, yeah, other people probably need that, but I'm okay. And Jesus says, you have an enemy that wants to devour you. Be watchful. Keep awake. You don't have to be afraid of Him. You have to be watchful for Him. The Lord gives you what you need. He protects you 
His call to you is not just defend yourself. His call to you is be watchful. Be watchful and be ready to cry out for help when you see temptation, when you see the work of the enemy, when you suspect that. Be ready to pray and God will be there to help us. So being watchful means being alive spiritually, being awake with Christ, being vigilant against temptation and the enemy. It means to be steady and have a, be courageous in faith. To be steady and be courageous in faith. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul tells the church in Corinth, be watchful. Same word. Be watchful. And then he says, stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. That term, act like men and be strong, is a term it means be courageous. Be bold. So he ties these things together. Be watchful so that you stand firm in your faith and can be courageous. Diagnose your Christian life. Specifically, abiding with Jesus. Would you draw that picture of your abiding with Jesus to be pretty steady? Or would you abide it to picture it being a, a series of ups and downs, ebbs and flows? Sometimes I, I'm really about Jesus and His kingdom and I'm pursuing Him and I'm excited about that. And then, I, and then sometimes I just kind of fall away from that. And then I come back and then I, I fall away. The aim of the Christian life is be steadfast in your faith. Abiding with Jesus. One of the ways that we do that is we, we're watchful in prayer. Being watchful in prayer is one of the ways that we remain every day steadfast with Christ. Not ebbs and flows and running to Him and then falling away and running to Him and falling away. Being watchful is protection against that. And then finally, being watchful means to be expecting God to answer. Being watchful means being expecting God to answer. In the psalm this morning that we opened up with, in Psalm 5, in your worship guide, that verse that I read to us, The psalmist is in despair. It's David writing. We don't know what was going on exactly in that moment or uh, what was happening, but we do know that he's groaning, he's crying. And so you get to, to verse 3 and he says, In the morning, Lord, hear my voice. So he's, he's waking up in the morning and he's immediately praying, crying out to God in the morning. And he says, I prepare a sacrifice for you during that time. And in the footnote of the ESV, it mentions that another way that Hebrew phrase can be translated is, I direct my prayer to you. So I'm preparing my sacrifice or I'm directing my prayer to you. And, and in a New Testament sense, it really doesn't matter which one it was because those things are combined in our life today. Because as we've already mentioned, we are the sacrifice. We are the temple. We're the sacrifice, we're the place, and, and the sacrifice that we prepare for God 
in the morning is ourselves. And one of the ways that we present that sacrifice to Him is we pray. We abide with Him in prayer. But look at what the psalmist said one more time. I prepare that sacrifice for you and then I'll watch. What is he watching for? He's watching to see how God will answer. He's watching to see how God will deliver him. He's watching to see how God will move. So, church being watchful, and this is how I think Paul pulls this in, be watchful in it with thanksgiving. When we're truly being watchful, part of our being awake with Christ, alive, spiritually vigilant, is as we go to pray, we do so looking to see, God, how are you going to answer this prayer? I expect you will. I expect you're going to answer. I'm looking up, God. Listen, maturity in in our lives is knowing that He may not answer exactly how we ask Him to. Sometimes we pray and we give the path. Here's how I want you to answer. And I don't necessarily think that's bad. As long as we pray in such a way as we're saying, God, this is really what I hope you'll do. God, please do it this way. But when we step back and we watch, it's not just watching to say, okay, God, you're going to do it my way. But we step back, we're watching. God's going to answer. He heard me. Do you pray that way? Do you pray expecting? God, right now as I pray, you are with me. You are hearing me. Your your ear is listening to my voice. I expect you are going to answer. I think that's what leads us to thanksgiving. When we pray truly expecting God to answer, then we can go ahead and say, God, I'm so thankful. Even as I pray this right now, God, I am thankful because I know you're hearing me. God, I am thankful because I know, I expect you're going to answer. God, you're going to come through. I'm so thankful to spend this time with you because I believe you are hearing me. You get to Hebrews 11, verse 6 tells us without faith it's impossible to please God. And then it goes on to describe faith. For whoever would draw near to God. Agape isn't that prayer? Whoever would draw near to Him, don't we? Is one of the ways that He's given us to draw near to Him? Praying? Whoever would pray must believe that God exists and He rewards those who seek Him. When we draw near to God in prayer, certainly we believe He exists, but do we believe that He is rewarding us as we seek Him? God, I'm so thankful you hear me. I'm so thankful you're going to answer this prayer. You're going to respond. I know, God, that you will. And maybe maybe I'll be really surprised how you answer it but I know that you're going to move in my life and in this situation. And I believe that there will be reward for it. The reward may not be the prayer being answered exactly like I'm asking it to be, but there will be reward. And church, I believe that's the kind of praying that brings peace 
in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, we're told, don't be anxious about anything. All right, that's a, that's a great impossible instruction. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't worry about anything. All right, well, we all fail that. We've got to keep reading because he gives us insight about how we can not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Take that picture from Psalm 5. You get up in the morning, or whenever your prayer time is, and you prepare the sacrifice of your prayer before God. And part of the sacrifice is whatever you're anxious about. That shouldn't be the only thing you pray about, but if you're worried about something, yes, it should be part of your prayer life. In everything. What are you, what are you worried about? What are you anxious about? Pray. Pray with thanksgiving. What does that mean? Pray expectantly. Pray looking up. God, I know that you've heard me about this thing I'm anxious over. I know that you've heard me. I expect you will answer. And when we pray that way, the peace of God comes. He gives us His peace. I have heard you. I am with you. I will answer. To be watchful means be alive. Check your heart. Are you alive in Christ right now? If you're not, nothing else that we talked about matters. Come to Christ and be saved. He will save anyone who calls out to Him to forgive them of their sins. And then be awake with Him. Abide with Him every day. Be awake and aware of what's happening in your life. What He's doing, His works He's doing, and then join with Him in those works. Marriage is on my mind a lot lately. We're, we're, we're praying about and trying to plan a, a potential small group next year that's going to be for the purpose of strengthening marriages, and I'm thinking about it a lot. There are times where my spouse, my wife, needs encouraging because she's having a bad day. She's having a hard day, and she needs encouragement. Do you know who Christ has put there to encourage her? Me. Do you know how I'm going to be awake to that? Only if I'm spending time with Him. And He makes it known to me. Your wife needs encouraging today. Do that. I take that and apply that to dozens and dozens of scenarios. We are the hands and feet of Christ. How do we know what to do if we're awake with Him? Be vigilant against temptation. It's there. Be on guard. How? Be watchful. Watch for your enemy. He wants to devour you quietly. Be watchful. Be steady and courageous in your faith. Pray expecting God will answer. These are all ways that we're watchful. So now, how do we start taking that idea and then putting it into our prayer life. So how do we become watchful in prayer? How do we begin that journey or how do we go further in it? This is what it looks like. This is what it means to be watchful. Now, how do we actually apply it and do it? And I just want to give you some like four pastoral 
encouragements of how I think we start that journey or we go further in it. How we become people that are not just praying. Keep that in mind. The goal isn't just just to pray, but to pray being watchful with thanksgiving. Number one, start with pray with discipline. Pray with discipline. 1 Peter 4.7, again, Peter thinking that picture's in Peter's mind of when he was told by Jesus, stay awake. And he says this, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Peter says the end of all things, the end of all things is at hand, so what do you need to do? You need to pray. The end of all things is at hand. Pray. But be self-controlled and sober-minded so that you can pray. That's the discipline. Be self-controlled. You will not accidentally pray. Church, every day, make your time to pray. When is it? When is your time to pray? What does that look like for you? What is your discipline of prayer? When do you pray? And then here's my second question. Is it at a time you're sober-minded? Do, do you pray like, you know, obviously the maybe extreme there is I pray right before I go to sleep. That works really well for us, right? Okay, but you know, and look, I, I pray... I pray in the car, or I, I pray while I'm doing these chores. I think we should do that. We should pray continually. But my question is, are you praying at a time where you're sober-minded and attentive? And you can think about what you're praying and what you're doing and what Christ is saying. We should have that time. Be sober-minded, be self-controlled, be sober-minded for the sake of your prayer. Secondly, Pray the Scriptures. Pray the Scriptures. One of the beautiful things that God did for us is when we went through our 21 days of prayer, He had us praying the Psalms. Every day we were, if you engaged in that, we had a Psalm to pray. It stirred me. I've seen something in praying the Psalms that I feel like we need to pursue as a church. So that's our next series starting at the beginning of November, for a few months, we're going to be praying the Psalms. We're going to come together as a church. We're going to learn a Psalm. We're going to pray it together. And my hope is that's going to spark us to pray God's Word, to pray the Psalms, to pray His Scriptures. Remember Jesus' words in John fifteen seven: If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You don't know what to pray? Pray with the Word. Open up the Scriptures. When you pray the Scriptures, if you listen to our podcast, I'll talk about it in the one that's going to be released in a couple of days. You will be amazed when you're praying the Word how your mind starts going to things to pray for that you would have never thought to pray about. But the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to direct what you pray and how you pray. So pray the Scriptures. Be watchful in prayer. Pray with discipline. Pray the Scriptures. Thirdly, pray in the Spirit, which is a little more mysterious, but just as much a reality. Because the Spirit of God is in us as believers. And we have a direct command in Ephesians 6. 
pray at all times in the Spirit. I believe that in part means that we pray in such a way that the Spirit of God, we are asking the Spirit of God to guide our prayers, guide our thoughts, lead us into what to pray. Josh has a really good adage that he's given me before about how God moved him from a, a place of corporate prayer where he was always, he, when he was in a corporate prayer meeting, he wasn't really thinking about what other people were praying because he was planning what he was going to pray. Which I've been there so many times. And that, that for him, what he felt like the instruction of God was to pray in the Spirit was just to try to empty his mind to not think ahead of time about what he was going to pray, but just began to pray. And I, yeah, I know that seems a little mysterious to us, but it is a little bit of kind of getting away from ourselves and just trusting the Spirit of God will guide our prayers. That He will show us what to pray and help us to know how to pray. I also think that praying in the Spirit means the Spirit of God speaking to us. So I believe that prayer and being watchful in prayer and praying in the Spirit means speaking, but also listening. And it's another reason that I, I'm saying to you, be disciplined in prayer to have a time you pray where you can be attentive. Attentive to what? To what the Spirit is saying. The ongoing work of the Spirit of God means God is still speaking. Yes, agape. He will never say anything contrary to His Word. But He will speak to you if you listen. He will speak to you. Sometimes it will be just an impression you have. You may find every day you get up and pray and it's like, oh wow, you know what? Three days this week, that person has come to my mind. Three days this week, that thing has come to my mind to pray for. It's the Spirit of God. Trust that. You will learn the more that you pray in that way that you're listening for Him. You will learn to hear His voice. You will learn to recognize it. And the mysterious becomes less mysterious because while it might be hard to explain, you believe it as reality because you know He's guiding you. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit in John 16, 13. Jesus said, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority. But whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. Yes, that was fulfilled in the apostles as they wrote the New Testament. But it is fulfilled in us today as well. Prayer is conversation. Take time to speak to God and pray His words. Take time during your prayers to listen. Ask Him to speak. Write down what you feel He's saying. Challenge it by the Word. Challenge it by your community. But listen for Him. And then finally, being watchful in prayer, I believe, means pray as intercessors. Pray with discipline, pray the Scriptures, pray in the Spirit, speak to God, listen to God, and pray as intercessors. What, what I mean by that means pray for others. It's what Paul said 
in the instructions to the church in Colossians. Continue, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, simultaneously, while this is going on, he said, please pray for us. While you're praying, being watchful in prayer with thanksgiving, please pray for us. Specifically, pray a door would be open to us for the Word. He's writing this from prison. Pray that the prison door will be opened. Pray that my team that is here with me, the door will be opened to them to declare the mystery of Christ, the Gospel. Pray that we will make it clear, because that's how we ought to speak. Pray that we will be clear in our speaking. A church that's becoming a house of prayer, we're going to... We'll pray for the lost. We'll pray for people to be come to hear the gospel. But part of your life being watchful in prayer is the Spirit of God will lay on your heart people to pray for. Pray for them when He does. Pray for them when He puts them on your mind. If it's during that time of disciplined prayer, pray for them. If you're going throughout your day and you have a moment and all of a sudden someone just comes to your mind? Where'd that come from? Why am I thinking of them? It may be an urging of the Spirit to pray. And I always encourage you, take the added step of reaching out to them. If you can, let them know, you came to my mind today. I was praying for you. You may find they are encouraged by that. You may find sometimes they respond to you. You won't believe what was happening to me today while you were praying. Pray as intercessors. Be watchful in prayer. 